This is, this is the In The Black Podcast. In The Black, bro. All right, so check this out, man. Last week, I don't know if you guys have seen it, there's a video that's been circulating the interwebs, and it's a video of a man in a car driving, and all of a sudden, he pulls out a gun from his center console oh, yeah. and just starts yeah. licking shots yeah, through his yeah. window, closed window yeah, on I the saw road. That. I saw that. Dude's name is Eric Popper, 30-year-old Eric Popper <laughs> from Florida. Eric Popper. Popper? <laughs> He's popping it. He's popping shells, boy. There's no that. way that shit's real, right? If his fucking name I is know, Eric Popper. Come oh, on. Man, it, no, it's real. Apparently the, the, apparently the story behind it is that he cut somebody off and then the person started tailgating him and he got upset. The guy Sounds about white. Up, the guy speeds up, pulls up beside him, and looks like he's like, I don't know what they do in Florida. He threw something at him, though. He threw something at his car. Ranch flavored, ranch flavored sunflower seeds. I don't know. He's going to do something. But he pulls up beside him, and your man had already pulled the gun out the center console and, and just, just starts looking. And right through his own windshield. He lets off. All but did, I didn't shots. follow up on the story. Right, did he hit anybody? Issue. Did he hit anyone? No, nobody. I, I don't think he hit anyone. But this is the catcher. Your man was so had the temerity, the unmitigated gall, as they say. He called the police and tried to report this guy tailgating him, which That's is why about he white. thought he needed yeah. to go ahead and lick, <laughs> lick off shots on a busy highway. Needless to say, your man is now facing two felony charges and possibly going to jail to spend 20 years in prison. So, my question to you guys is, have you ever been that fucking bad that you said, fuck all the circumstances, I'm letting off everything. Everybody can hear this. I don't care if it's you. I mean, mean, I've been irritated on the road like that, you know what I'm saying? But not to the point where, you know, you want to pull a weapon. I mean... You all have your, your sick fantasies, but nah, I put on weapons on cats, man. All right, so there's too many people. There's too many people who might see this, <laughs> who like know the truth. So, um, I'm not gonna plead the fifth because I'm on your show. All right, I'm not in court, <laughs> but but I'll say there's an uncomfortable way in which I can completely fucking relate to this motherfucker. Mm. Okay, I can. It's very uncomfortable for me to admit that because he's, you know, probably not a good dude, blah, blah, blah. But, like, I gotta keep it real. Like I said, I got negative fucks to give on this planet. I'm almost, I'm gonna die soon. As my kids remind me every day when my son kids comes keep telling you everything. He'll walk by me and punch me in the kidney as hard as he can. Just to remind me I'm gonna die. You keep you doing know? this. You know, so I, so I gotta tell you, there's people out there that are watching that know how I am. They know that I've been through like at this point multiple rounds of anger management with effect, with good, with generally constructive and good effect. Um, are we sure? Generally, he, he said. Um, he said generally. Well, no, but get this, get this though, L. Like the first thing, the thing that let me keep going to the anger management course that I had to go to, or else my spouse was going to like, you know, ditch me. Right, she said, you're either going, man, or, or like, we're out of here. Like, we're so, 
First thing they said oh, is that, they, that, hey, look, this is some conventional Kaiser Permanente like group anger management <laughs> class, right? So I was like not real thrilled to be there. It's a bunch of white dudes over the age of 50 that I'm in there with, you know, two white counselors. I was not thrilled. Oh, but but the first thing they said was that was that there's nothing wrong with anger. There's nothing wrong with anger. Right? We're not here to tell you to not be angry. So I was like, okay, I could I could stay for a little longer. So get this, I ended up staying there for a fucking year. I was oh, wow. in there every Monday night. I was like, I outlasted everybody else in the group to the point wow. where like the last four or five months, I, was, I, I joke about this all the time. I was basically like a TA for the counselor where like if somebody in the group was starting to blow up, they would like call on me and they said, hey, what do you think of all that? Maybe, I was like, I think uh, I could take Ron outside. Maybe me, he and I can kind of talk this through in the parking lot. Like, wow. Sometimes every now and then you'd have somebody who's about to fight somebody. Um, but I will say, I will say that there's too many people out there who know how I used to be. I'm not like this anymore. How I used to be on the road with my road rage stuff. Um, and, and they will tell you that, that if the world were slightly different, I could have easily been that dude. Yikes. So I just want to, I just want to keep it real. I wow. Keep it real. Wow. No, I, I appreciate it. I think the most yeah. aggressive I've ever been and I was in your neck of the woods, matter of fact, coming out from 29 Palms, driving into San Bernardino. And I think the worst I've ever done, I threw a, a you know how you go to the laundromat and you got the rolled up nickels? Fuck yeah. So your man, so your man yeah. was leaving the base and he's gonna go visit a girl and I had a bunch of rolled up quarters in the jail and somebody cut me off. And I hurled that bitch right through his fucking passenger window. Oh, what? you broke it? You went through? Yeah, I broke it right through that. Oh, yeah. shit. Oh, so like, okay, that's, so, that's the worst I've ever. That's wow. the worst I've ever been. So, so I, I, I may or may not have. I may or may not have used to keep I'm dead not, batteries. I'm looking at Elle's face because L is fucking, fucking killing. <laughs> like my only my only critique of that is that that was probably twenty dollars a quarter. I know. I know. Thank you. I'm like he's throwing money away. Literally throwing I mean, money away. Twenty five dollars. No, I know. It was. It was. It was a straight. It was a straight twenty piece, my guy. Just nothing but quarters. But I hurled that bitch with all of my heart, dog. Like my entire soul. I was like, and you're a better person for it, right? Felt great. I know it felt great. As I say, as I say from my from my from my whatever from my soapbox. I've been told the Filipinos have a very hot temper anyway. So that that, that, may, that may or may not be ethnically true. There's <laughs> 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 a little bit of that. I, I I find it fascinating that there are two other people on this recording that have yet to say a fucking word. And, and one what? of them, I'm I don't have a road rage. Listen, Elgin, uh, Elgin Crush, I know that the statute of limitations has worn off, unless you did that shit last week, which is very possible in Elgin's I mean, case. I mean, so, the most, the worst it ever got with me is just, uh, you know, just racing them out, you know, just leaving them behind. You know, I don't, mm. I, I can't throw shit, but when they think they can, you know, like burn past me or some shit, like, nah, you ain't, you ain't running. Okay. So yeah, so cr 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 Crush is the nice one. Elgin, don't be quiet. I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> this ah, see? You see what I'm talking about? See? But listen, I'll be honest with you. I don't have... I mean, no, I don't have road rage. I've never been in a situation where I was that I angry on the road. Now, I've been that angry <laughs> in real life. 
No, dog. I've literally gotten Marco Polos from you, and I got the receipt somewhere. Marco Polos from you when you're driving and you cursing people out. You curse people out when they cut you off. Yes, dog. Don't, don't that's not violent, though, is it? Is cursing somebody out violent? No, it, it is not well, necessarily. That's, that's a regular day driving violence. in the city, right? I mean, what I mean, I'm saying is that it shows a precedent, a tendency for that type of behavior. So don't oh, skip wait. me. Go ahead and say it. What have you done? Oh, I'm telling you. Wait, wait, wait. I'm, I'm, I'm being honest, man. My wife will testify Actually, to this. I, I do not have those type of tendencies in a vehicle. So, what, hold up. Okay. You see, you see, <laughs> in a vehicle. Crazy. Big wait. L said in a vehicle. In a vehicle. So, so what, like, happens, my what happens? My ears always hear the qualification. Outside. You always got to hear the qualification. <laughs> Big L said crush. in the vehicle. Wait, maybe so in other words, he could open the door and get out. Now he's not in the vehicle. Maybe I was not getting in the parking lot is a different story. Maybe, maybe, yeah, the real question is, maybe the real question is, had you been the recipient of possible oh, no, 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 no. Oh, Now, no. that, did, that, know, almost, you know, that you know. almost happened to me until a dude suddenly stepped out of the car. Thank you. It's always, that almost happened. That always almost happened. When you're inside the car. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he, I, I was with my lady. I almost I almost tapped his joint. He got he flipped out because it was a new car, clearly. When he hopped out, with this little dude. And my lady just looks at me like, dog. I'm like, come on. <laughs> I step out the car. <laughs> I step out the car like, hey. Who's like, Elger, do we do we need to go back to off the cuff so that we can only have this listen to people that are, are paying glorious. for it? it because you still really haven't said shit. You Bro, I'm oh, serious. Yeah, you're I just rolled the, I just rolled the fucking window down and looked out the window. Like, do I gotta get out? Because I mean, I, mean, I, mean, I, mean, I, mean, I have to get out the car. My lady's telling me not to, but I get out the car and your lady's looking at looking at me now like, get back in the car, little motherfucker. That's what happened. It was glorious. It was glorious. Hey, you know what fucks with me though is um the few incidents where some shit like that went down and the dude that gets out of the car is some 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 like five foot four guy who's in his seventies. And at that point, and he's mad, uh, and it's because he cut me uh, off, and I honked at him, and then like I honked at him, I'm like, ooh, talk about no fucks left to give. I actually need to be careful with this guy, because it's not. I'm not gonna get that's, that's, that's somebody's grandfather. That's somebody's grandfather. You know, I, know, I, I don't know, care about I that. I, I don't care about that. I'm caring about the danger he presents to me because. Oh, because he's been around for a while. That's yeah. what I'm talking Experience. about. Like this guy he, might be some kind of cyborg invisible. Yeah, 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 yeah. He might say his right. first time getting out the car. He, he might he get out the car. He, he, felt, he felt time. comfortable getting out the car for a reason. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Look, and I'm five eight two twenty. Choice, I'm five eight two twenty. I get out. He's still not scared. Then now I'm scared. You should be scared. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Welcome, welcome, welcome. What's up? What's up? What is up? Back once again. It is the incredible in the black podcast. And in case you weren't aware, this is a podcast dedicated to covering the current events and social issues going on in your black world and covering it all from the perspective of three grown ass men who have all gone to some form of anger management, I, I think. Yeah, I am your host, Big O, yeah. Mr. In the Black himself, but you know I can never do this alone. Let me introduce the rest of my support group. Crush, say what's up. What's good, everybody? I apologize for my talk. <laughs> Yeah, no doubt. I will get the <laughs> Hey, what's good, family? Like How y'all doing, man? And of course, once again, we've got the big homie, Dylan Rodriguez. Yes, sir. Professor Rodriguez, what's going on, man? Welcome back, sir. I'm just happy to be in the community right here. I know that's and, right. And, and, and I'll, remind, I'll, I'll remind your folks that um, I grew up in Alexandria, Virginia, which explains everything about me. <laughs> <laughs> 
DMV and the DMV. Yep. <laughs> if, if you if you if you know about Alexandria, Virginia, especially that Asian oh. community, boy, whoo, that's I, it. I have a film to show you, sir. Mm. Mm. But please, if you're checking this out on YouTube, make sure you hit that thumbs up button. It's a small gesture, but it goes a long way. Make sure you hit that subscribe button as well, so you don't miss out on the next video. And of course, you can follow us across social media at In the Black PBCST on Facebook, Twitter, and on Instagram. But do us a favor. We want you to come over and join the family, but I'm going to let L tell you how you can do that. How can they join the family if you want to do that? Hey, man, head on over to our website, www.intheblackpodcast.com. And I think it's the right-hand corner. It might be the left-hand corner, but you've been here before, so you know it's the Become Family tab. Go ahead and scroll down, and there's a number of things that you can do on here, but we're really just interested in two of them, right? To be honest with you, we're trying to build independent black media here that is going to be able to tell you the truth about shit that's going on in the world, and we can only do that if motherfuckers actually give us some money. So you can actually donate directly via Cash App, dollar sign in the black PDCST, or this is what I really encourage you, not only as a host and a lover of the show, but if I was a fan of this show, you really want to hear the off-the-cuff segments that you can only hear via our Patreon. You want to become a member of our Patreon, man, and you get a number of tiers. It's a phenomenal way to support what we're doing, and you get some dope-ass content. Unlike some of that shit that you hear with Roland Martin and under these other cats, you really get some dope I mean, we do. I mean, we don't. We don't. Oh, I mean, okay. Hands down, we are fucking okay. incredible. Oh, okay. When you I'm say really shit like, like that, oh, sometimes you're like, you know, he has a lot of fans out there. You just be like, fuck your okay. feelings. Your man is trash. And I got two words for him and his fans. <laughs> so, I mean, I don't know what to say. Uh, but hey, become a member of our Patreon because we do shit differently than he does and better. You'll never see me in an ascot or a too tight <laughs> daishiki. You'll never hear me saying any of that other liberal foolishness that he says. So come on over and see what we do over here at In The Black Podcast. I promise you won't be disappointed unless you're a Roland Martin fan. Then you will be disappointed. But we may be also able to convert you. So come on over. Hang out. No doubt. Thank also, you. Just, just stop listening or doing anything Roland Martin says ever. ever. Please. For all of us. Come on, though. I mean, now, now you, you can call you Now you roped Dylan into the shenanigans too. I appreciate it. Oh. He needs no. He needs no. I was assistant. already roped. That, that is true. That is true. <laughs> he needs no fucking roping. He needs no fucking roping. So this week we're going to jump into our black box letter. So unless you've been living under a rock recently, as of this Monday, correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, former head coach of the Miami Dolphins, Brian Flores has announced that he has filed a class action lawsuit against four NFL teams and the entire NFL as an entity to say that there are discriminating practices and racism that go against uh, equal opportunity and against the Rooney rule. Um, this has been, I don't think it's an understatement to say that this has been a bombshell because I don't think that the sports going public NFL football lovers expected for a coach to come out and do this type of thing. In his statement recently, Brian Flores said that he had been gifted with the ability to coach 
and that he essentially, and I'm paraphrasing here, that he knows that he's essentially martyred himself, but that somebody needed to do it and that there needs to be some level of change. When you guys heard about the news, what were your initial thoughts? We can go with uh, with D first. What'd you think of it? That, that those old, good old boys, Belichick and them, remind all of us, these fuckers always end up telling on themselves 100% of the time. 100% of the time, they always tell on themselves. And it's what what should what should get people going is just how casual it is. The sense of impunity, the sense of there being no no account. Like, I, I'm not even I'm not even saying that what is that, that what Belichick um, accidentally texted to Brian Flores was surprising. What people should pay attention to is how he reacted to Brian Flores once Brian Flores corrected him and said, "This is not Brian Dayball. This is Brian Flores." And how Belichick was like, "Oh my bad," and he just moved on with his life like nothing had happened. It's the casualness of this that I think people need to pay attention to. So yeah, yeah, the, the, these good old boys now. Kaepernick's been telling us about this for years, you know, this this should blow up any of that old school bullshit, like redneck notion that sports is a meritocracy. It never has mm, been. Mm, um, mm. Um, and, and this is the least of it, right? This is just prima facie evidence because, because you know, the Mr. Belichick fucked up. Um, but but yeah, that's we need to see, we need to see how they tell on themselves and how they react once they've been busted, because they usually don't give a fuck because they know that they're going to be protected and they'll be protected in this case, too. Mm. Now, just for a quick backup, uh, there were text messages sent to from Bill Belichick, <clears throat> excuse me, from Bill Belichick to Brian Flores, congratulating him on getting the New York Giants job, yes. I believe. Okay, yep. thank you. On the New York Giants job, to which Brian Flores said, uh, did you hear something? Because I don't have an interview with them until three days from now. And he said, yeah, I think that they just gave it to you. I just talked to somebody. And he said, are you sure that you don't mean Brian Dabo? This is Brian Flores. And he said, Bill Belichick's response was, oh, I fucked up. Um, yeah. That was, <laughs> that was pretty much yeah, it. That was pretty much Hey, hey yeah. remember, remember how Belichick phrased it, right? And this pay, people got to pay close attention to how these how these fuckers phrase this. You're their guy. You're their guy. This is the old boys' yeah. network. This is how this is how this is how the white men talk to each other. You're their guy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, go ahead. I I think it's fascinating. I, so when I heard the story, I wasn't shocked. I wasn't surprise i think if anything that surprised me was the fact that you know uh the timing of the story and then i thought about it too that the timing of the story was incredibly strategic it's the week in between the playoffs and the super bowl right so it's typically the week where there's not a whole lot of attention going on in the, the, the media around the nfl so i was like oh Damn it, he snatched the spotlight right from the Bengals with Joe Burrow and you know all that and and oh don't forget you know, Tom with, Brady retired, so he snatched that. Yeah, right yeah, yeah. he snatched all of that right away. Oh, but then listening to seeing Bill Belichick, who I think has always been a piece of shit, so it's not like this is a new type of thing. I, I've always thought that, uh, you know. But I feel I feel bad for Brian Flores right i feel bad from the standpoint that i know the scrutiny i can see the scrutiny that he's going to have to endure by making this decision that he does now again i think there's a distinction that can be made between him and kaepernick right 
I think with Kaepernick, he as an athlete, the NFL was the highest level, the highest playing field that he can go to. He couldn't go down to college and make millions of dollars in college. Brian Flores still is going to have the opportunity to make a substantial amount of money in college or you know somewhere else as a he he, he will he will be a coach again i don't think that he's going to get blackballed to the point where he's never going to coach ever again i think he won't may not coach as a head coach in nfl i don't think the nfl has that type of reach that is going to go down into college ranks and tell colleges not to put because again the reason why I don't think that it takes place is because colleges need good head coaches as scouts to push players to the NFL so that NFL can have fresh product. So I don't think they're going to do that component. But at the same time, I think it's fascinating that he has to go. I hate when I see black men or black people in general have to sacrifice themselves right to fall on the proverbial sword in order to bring attention to some shit that everybody already fucking knows is taking place right so i feel bad for him from that standpoint but i also think it's telling that how immediately literally took took it was overnight that the NFL released a statement saying that essentially what Brian Flores was saying was bullshit. Without merit, didn't take yes. place, all that. It didn't take them long, right? It, typically, it was literally released within usually, a couple of hours. You it was usually wait to investigate to see mm-hmm. what the accusation was, particularly if it's a lawsuit, exactly. right? You want yeah. to investigate to make sure that what is being said, because if you come out and try to disqualify this lawsuit, it can be used against you in that particular fucking lawsuit. So you'd usually want to wait, but they flipped it quickly. And so I, I really, I'm just sitting back watching it. I think it's fascinating in so many different things. I think there's also the class analysis that has to be put in place here, right? When you're dealing with these athletes and you're dealing with these coaches there's a distinction that i think what i saw online and you know you can't use online as a barometer of, of shit for any fucking thing but what i found fascinating is how so many people gravitated towards brian flores as a black man saying you know oh my god i'm standing with brian flores and i think that's good but i think there's something else that can be introduced into the discussion that we have to examine for instance the NFL is over 70% black. I haven't heard one professional black current NFL player come out and say, I'm standing with Brian Flores. Just as a point right? of I think note, there's that, Yeah, just a point of note. I think I think that's fascinating. That, that number that that number is not accurate. Yeah. I oh, the 70%, no, the 70% yeah, is not it's accurate. Not accurate. Yeah. It's actually percent people of color. So just as people a, of color. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think that's fascinating. And I think the one thing I love about this conversation is what I'm seeing is it opens up the door for larger conversations to have. And people are beginning to see that the NFL has been consistently pro-capitalist, you know, anti-black, all these things. So this is not a new phenomenon. This is a, literally a, a, a recycling of the Kaepernick situation on a different on level. Years, you know what yeah. I mean? And, how long did it take Brian Flores to make this decision? Like, wh- where was his? Those are the kind of questions that I want to be able to hear. That I think at some point in time we'll hear. But I'm really interested to see how this particular case 
moves forward. What is real? Because remember, when John Gruden did that fuck shit and his text messages became out and then Snyder's, all that stuff, that cost John Gruden his position in the NFL as a coach. Now, again, John Gruden was an older coach, has been in the NFL for a longer period of time, yada, 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 all those different types of things. But the things that were brought out in discovery about some of these coaches and organizations, that's what I want to see. And the management. I want to see the discovery to come out. I want to see more of the Bill Belichick shit because I know he's not the only coach uh, that has, or the only, yeah, management who has done some fuck shit like that. I want to see the discovery. I think that's going to be the component that really is going to be exciting. I dig that. Now, I'm going to push back just a little bit in terms of your uh, stance on whether or not he's going to get another job. Is it impossible? No. It's very possible that he can get another job coaching at the college level. But the reason why I see it's less likely, at least in my perspective, right, is that perception is reality for many institutions, especially when you're trying to build relationships. So how this was exposed, you're over here exposing private text messages between you and a supposed mentor and friend. A college could see that and be like, okay, we bring you on board for our program. A lot of fuck shit could happen. We already probably have fuck shit that's happening right now. What's going to happen when you get on board? Could you expose us? We don't need that type of headache. We could lose donations. We could lose donors. We could lose all of these things. And I think my only response would, to, to that would be, would be, you know, the Rick Patinos of the world, uh, the John Calipari's of the world, and the only distinction between them is what the fact that you have That's white men and right, black yeah. coaches. So I, I, I think it'd be interesting. I say there's not all hope is not lost, but I just don't yeah. like us to say, you know, to use the, the definite article for lack of a better phrase that he's never going to coach again because i don't think that is completely fair or accurate and i think it does it's kind of disparaging to him and his talents as a coach because he was a good coach yeah he was i don't know it's just to take take fucking miami from where they were like it's interesting come on as a jets fan watching them play the nf uh, in the afc east they it was them. And Bro, the I'm not saying. I'm not, listen, man, I'm not arguing that. Bottom rung of shit. I, my, I'm not as big into that shit as I used to be because I just can't deal with all of the fuck shit that goes with I, it. I, so I, I, I can understand that too. One real thing. One real thing. I'll say this, and then I'll let Crush and Dylan jump back in. I think that Jerry Jones already put out a statement. They asked him on during uh, signing day was which was either today or yesterday, something <laughs> like that. And he essentially Jerry basically. <laughs> That's, he, expo- he essentially just exposed exposed the ass of the NFL because what he said in the statement was, yeah, we know that stuff like this has been happening and it's something that we should be looking at. Jerry Jones is not just some Joe Schmo. He's probably one of the most notable, recognizable of one of 32 owners of the NFL and uh, of an NFL owners in the entire. I mean, I think the Cowboys are probably are the fifth most recognizable sports team in the world, something like that. Jerry Jones saying that is not small potatoes, which is contrary to the NFL statement two hours after your boy announces saying that it has no merit. Apparently, Jerry Jones knows that it has merit. So what does that say? Go ahead, Crush. I mean, to be honest, I'm just uh, surprised it hasn't happened sooner. Um, And, you know, in terms of you know Mr. Flores, uh, I definitely feel for him because you know, um, unlike uh, the rest of, uh, unlike the 
you know, some people, uh, you know, we as a, as a people don't get to fail up. Um, <laughs> we uh, often have to pick up pieces you know, when we make these kinds of decisions. Uh, but like El insinuated, uh, what I'm very intrigued by is um, the kind of case Mr. Flores may have built here and what the prosecution plan, what the prosecution's battle plan is uh, going forward. Um, you know, the knee-jerk reaction of the NFL was out of pure arrogance because um, no no organization of that size would ever make such a statement so so quickly without a legal team pulling their freaking hair out. Um, I know that because I've seen that happen. I've seen legal teams, you know, flip out on their own bosses for doing dumb shit like that. Um, so they've already made a mistake. Um, this from arrogance alone. Um, in my in, in, in my in, in my just careful non-sportsman you know <laughs> estimation. So I, I'm very curious as to the, the kind of case Mr. Flores is going to bring forward. Um, you know what uh, what what discovery will um, you know reveal to us, and uh, you know what uh, you know because there are headlines saying you know saying you know they're, they're already saying already there are already, already headlines insinuating the outlandishness of the of the, uh, of, the, of, the of the case, saying can uh, can uh, can Flores prove systemic racism? Like like you know. Yeah like, like, yeah, like, come, yeah. like, like, come on, like, don't, like, you, you're, you're already making, it, you're already making it, uh, uh, you're already uh, you're making it superfluous. You know what I'm saying? So, you know, this from this from my headline now. You already, you already, already want to make people skeptical about shit. Um, but uh, you, you, when you may have to eat crow, when he, this man may, <laughs> may pop out with diagrams A, B, C, D, E, F, and G, <laughs> with video <laughs> and uh, testimony and witnesses and. Um, who knows? Maybe DNA. Shit, he might. You know, I'll, I'll be. I mean, he, he he seems pretty confident. I mean, to, to to build a case, and you know, so I'm I'm very curious as to how this is going to be conducted. And the NFL's arrogance is is, is going to be on full display. It already is. Yeah. Which is... Yo, you muted. Does he know he's muted? So one of the things that got me worked up is as your boy was going on this media tour, right? Is that he kept saying that he wants to change the hearts and minds of Jeez. the coaches oh, in the right. NFL. Oh, and that was, I kept, I kept saying to myself, come yeah. on, dog, like, no, that you should, maybe he had to say that because you don't, you don't want to just come out and have See, it. Why do you have I to say this? Why not? Don't say anything right now. I'm, well, but listen, don't you get the I, sense I, that he drank some litigation. Yeah, that's exactly it. He don't drank some Kool-Aid. It is I don't very mean, much. Come on. I don't think. This yeah, I knew you was going to sit on the fence. No, 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 no. no, 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 no listen, listen now. So what size tweezers do you actually use to get no, the splinters listen, out of your I ass from sitting listen, on the fence? I see you in these streets. <laughs> I mean, I you must got big tweezers. Listen, I completely disagree with the statement because I thought it was some bullshit, right? But I took a step back and said, he's trying to build a case. And for many of these cases, it's built in the court of public opinion. So you don't want to come off and be like, nah, we already know these dudes is full of fuck shit. That's why like, I'm, I'm, I'm coming here not as a militant. Bro, you're such a, a fucking pastor. nice guy. You're such no, a nice no, I'm guy. I'm real. Bro. Like, think about that. No, shit. because if I got a motherfucking, if I got a smoking gun, if I got a smoking gun, guess what I'm going to do? I'm going to wave. I'm going to grab my nuts and wave the smoking gun and let motherfuckers know that I have this in the bag. And I'm going Elgin. to walk around saying, fuck all y'all. I'm Elgin. going to. I'm never. Bruh. 
Elgin. No, Did I you don't... see? He was on every channel you could think of. He was probably, that's probably the on problem. Sesame he Street. Was so... he came with his fucking yeah, I believe, <laughs> you know, I believe God <laughs> has called me to, to do this. He yeah. came, thank you. He was huh? there with his white lawyers. Okay, on every... so like, you think... that, that was one point I was going to make, was that pay close attention to the shit his white lawyers say, because, because their performance of naivete is oh, so man. fucking hollow for anybody who's remotely ever experienced anything remotely like what Brian Flores just went through. Like it's so hollow. It's such it's such a pandering. I mean, in a way, I kind of agree with with what you just said about how it might be very strategic and tactical. It's it's cool. So let's let's break down what we mean by court of public opinion, right? We're not talking about yeah. the four of us. We're not the no. court of public opinion yeah. here, right? Yeah. We're, we're talking. We're talking about that middle America, you know, yes. projected like yes. you know, conservative white person. Yeah. And so they're going to they're going to march out this kind of naivete. Brian Flores is going to drink that Kool Aid before he goes on the Today Show and ESPN and all that stuff and start doing his whole outrage over meritocracy thing, mm-hmm. right? And part of the calculus here is. Okay, and the other thing too that I was going to say, because of what, what Crush was just saying, 99%, 9.9%, this is just going to get settled, right? It's going to get settled. Yeah. The point will be made because, precisely because the NFL and all these fuckers don't want discovery. Mm, right? Like, say that's it one a, more they, time. Saw, they saw what went down with Gruden, which had vast effects on, on, on our local Washington football team. Right, it hit, hit, hit Snyder, it hit all the hit management throughout the <laughs> yep. Okay, oh, yeah. so they don't want they don't want that because it's going to be worse. Yeah. Right, it's yep. going to be it's going to be probably ten times worse. So it's going to get settled. Not only that, but you put on top of this the fact that I think there is zero chance that Brian Flores will have a head coaching job in the NFL. I think there's a great chance he'll get a head coaching job like at the college level at some point. But this is why, because the difference between him and Patino or him and even Gruden is that those those white fuckers show their ass. Right. Which is yeah. just what they do. Yeah. Right. And then they get another job later. But what right. they but what 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 Brian Flores did in the military corporate paradigm of the NFL is he broke ranks. Yeah. He's yeah. a treasonist. Yeah. Right. In the military corporate paradigm, of the NFL, he is essentially a treasonist. And so yep. and so not only that, he's not only a treasonist because he 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 showed everybody Bill Belichick's bullshit, you know, but also don't forget the shit he said about John Elway being drunk uh, or hungover. Yeah, disheveled. No, the, the, no. In, in the court, in the in the filing, it says that he, he actually said he, 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 he believed he was drinking before the night. Yeah, they, they yeah, believe they were inebriated. Yeah, and this is yeah. just what those fuckers do, right? So how dare yeah. you go out? So breaking ranks means a bunch of shit here, um, and, and and in that military corporate paradigm, it's unforgivable. You know, so so yeah. so in the meantime, Flores is out there doing his whole performance of meritocracy outrage, right? Because the first shit he says is, "I'm qualified, I'm a good coach." I'm, yes. It's like it's like he has to still say that, yeah, right? and yes, he has to still believe yes. that at some and at some level, the performance becomes, you know, hardwired yeah. into, into mm-hmm. your skin. So, so I think it's that's to me that's actually part of the, that's actually a problem. That I agree. That, you know, fix, yeah, I think we actually need to confront that because what it does is it actually reproduces this pandering position mm. that people take mm. to the sensibilities of these fuckers mm. who would rather see a bunch of us on the screen dead than see us thriving. Let me ask you a quick question then. If he were, because he's still essentially going for these jobs, even as he's going through this lawsuit, and there are currently still five vacancies for head coaching positions across the NFL. If he were to be given a position right now, should he take it? Or would it be seen as trying to get ahead of the bullshit 
that everybody knows is going to be coming from this lawsuit. He's not. He's not a. He's not a fucking radical, right? He's not a radical militant dude. He's a black man who's pissed off that he got overlooked for a job because of racist ass fucking America. So yeah, he's like going to take minimize the fucking his shit. No, no, but, but that's essentially what it is, right? Go ahead. The NFL, the, if the NFL knew it was good for it, they would hire him right now. Right now, because this will all go away. If they really wanted to do the whole damage control, blah, blah, blah thing. But see, the, pro, the problem is that NFL is run by the They're owners. too fucking arrogant. They're, yeah, it's run by the owners. They're accustomed to a level of military corporate impunity. Um, this guy broke ranks from that paradigm. And I think it's very unlikely they will actually try to do the best thing they could do for public relations, which is to actually hire this guy um, and put him in a head coaching position. I don't mean hire him in some kind of coordinator position. If the NFL was smart, they would put him immediately. They would like talk to some team. They would cut a deal. They'd say, hey, give this dude a contract. Fire him after three years if you want, but hire him right now and you'll have something else coming to you. It's a fucking, that's how these folks run shit. But they're, but like the NFL is such a reactionary organization, right? It's such a reaction. It's the worst collection of evil fucking people of, of all, probably almost any corporation out there. Right, like, like as a corporation, it's fucked up. I mean, there's a reason why they're in bed with the NCAA, another profoundly fucking corrupt, anti-black, racist organization. Right, they're fucking evil. They thrive on people's broken bones and their death. Um, they don't give a fuck about you as much as they try to recruit you with love. Right, and I say this as the father of a student who was just recruited to a Division One school that did not give him a scholarship because they don't do scholarships at the school he went to. But nonetheless, I understand how this shit works. Right, like I see how it works from up close. So, so yeah, so. Yeah, that, but, but I think there's something what Big Al's saying about the, the arrogance. The arrogance, it's not it's not this kind of superficial arrogance. It's like structural. Like it's an infrastructure of arrogance. You feel me? Like 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 everything about the infrastructure of the NFL produces, reproduces, and and, and like and like defends that that arrogance that you see in Bill Belichick's text. Yeah. All he's got to say to, to Brian Flores, oh I fucked that up. All right, see you later, BB. It's, yeah. the, house of, it's the house of ego. It's the house yeah. of American yeah. ego. Finally distilled and shaped into the yeah. perfect home. Last question, then we're going to jump into uh, what Crush got on deck for tonight. Do you think that this lawsuit is going to make a change? I guess, and again, my question would be a change in what? Yeah. I guess that's, that, that's a fair question because, I mean, if they already have the Rooney Rule, which was supposed to have taken care of all of this, like, is it going to is it going to change the racial climate in the NFL? Is it going to make the NFL all of a sudden be less anti-black? Fuck no. Is it going to possibly make Brian Flores a much richer man? Yeah, possible. that's possible. Yeah. Like, but and again, the one thing that is also troubling or potentially troubling is when these motherfuckers decide to settle because i think it's going to end up being a settlement because with a class action suit you certainly need to have three or four folks on it with you and right now it's just him unless some other coaches come out hugh jackson said he said we haven't even talked about that hugh jackson well, hugh jackson jump on board. but i thought hugh jackson's comments were kind of ambiguous it really wasn't really clear he kind of alluded to he didn't actually did he actually maybe i missed it that he actually came out and said that the owner paid me or offered to pay me to lose games i think he alluded to that remember he, did i miss something ESP, he was on sports center yesterday evening and he basically said that when they hired him in cleveland that they had a four-year plan 
and in the plan it essentially forecasted them losing yeah and that okay. they were and in the process of losing that they were still going to be giving him incentives so they, they didn't say it explicitly but yeah. and on top of that he said that he spoke to roger goodell and has spoken to the league and they pretty much said uh all right my guy you you be good on that he said he's got receipts yeah. for that so we'll we'll see how that works out but i don't think this really makes any much movement if he doesn't get a, a few more coaches to jump on board well you know what i mean we'll have to just extend this conversation since we've been talking about this on social medias and stuff like that i've seen a lot of folks that have taken the stance that this could be deaded tonight tonight if nfl players stood up and said that super bowl we're not playing the pro bowl we're not showing up training camp we're not showing up that there's that there's a way for them to collectively and that's the, the operative word collectively come together to stop this process if they are indeed standing behind brian flores which a lot of them have already tweeted oh yeah we behind coach b flow so but i think that i think the problem is and the danger is again a lack of class analysis we gotta stop equating million dollar athletes problems. with your everyday working class i think that's dangerous disingenuous and i think it's absolutely it, borderline insane to think that these guys are going to do that again these guys don't have a revolutionary radical politic because if they did it would have shown up long before fucking blind forest did the shit that he actually fucking did the same shit that obama pulled when the fucking nba was in the bubble and the, the, the actual radical brothers were looking to actually strike Shut down, down there and pulled you had fucking Obama-esque Chris Paul and Obama-esque LeBron James putting that fire out mm. to not have that shit pop off down there in that manner. Those brothers were actually ready to do something that would have created radical change in the NBA, not only in the NBA, but they were also stepping out of the NBA and said, no, we're going to deal with the fucking owners of these fucking organizations also who've been ripping off cities by putting these stadiums in the middle. They were willing to do Thank all you. that. You don't have yeah. that same sort of revolutionary politics and class analysis for motherfucking NFL players. They're not going to say we're not going to play in the fucking Super Bowl. You know how much money they're going to they're going to have on the line. I just don't I see part it. Of that, part of that is also the fact that you know contracts are guaranteed or pretty much in the, in the in the NBA compared to the NFL. So people are not willing to risk that. Man, NFL career is what two and a half years, maybe. Yo, look what they did to Colin. Look what they yes, did to sir. Colin. Yes, sir. And for kneeling. Yes, sir. Yeah. For kneeling. Look, yeah. look what they did. Right. That, that's. There's and he didn't say anything. He just that's, kneeled. There's a reason why the NFL was never. Now that in hindsight, the NFL there was never a chance the NFL was gonna was gonna extend an opportunity to Colin. Never. Right. Because to do that in their minds, in their corporate military mind, would be to not only excuse but potentially empower the plantation the plantation rebellion. Mm. By the way, in terms of a class analysis, that shit gets complicated with some of these with some of these um, real fucking programs in particular, because you have like the five percent or maybe the ten percent who have some stars kind of bonus, who have generational mm -hmm. wealth, and the rest of them are bankrupt within two to three years after their career. Yes. Yep. 
fighting for the next spot. That's, you right that's about it. That's yeah. it. That yeah. shit. That yeah. shit is flimsy. That career is flimsy. And I was gonna say the change. The change is gonna happen to answer your earlier question. Like, what will the lawsuit result in change? You know what? It will. It will result in change. Here's the change that's gonna result in the NFL is gonna tighten up its corporate culture. They're gonna have a bunch. They will have a bunch of closed door secret seminars that you will never hear about. Internal memos. Talk, talking to management, to ownership, etc. They're gonna say move all your texts to Signal, disappearing messages. They're gonna say that because they won't be discoverable in you know in, in in a court of law, right? They're gonna say they're gonna say they're gonna mandate y'all make a bunch of high profile symbolic DEI hires throughout your organization. Hire some women, hire some LGBTQ people, hire some black folks and former players as consultants to talk about you know informing and sitting in on the hiring process to make sure racist and anti-black shit doesn't happen again. You know they're gonna do all that. They will make a public relations investment. They will they will they will perform a shift to the corporate culture, and you will still have um, the the and not only still you will have an expansion of this of this corporate military logic um, in a more diverse and equitable and inclusive way. Hmm. I want to say I want to quickly read this, <laughs> and then we can jump into what Crush got on deck. This is just an example of how typically when you're a person of color that you have to go above or be above and beyond some of these mediocre talents. This is Quasi Adolfo Mensa. He's the, they just hired him to they be the GM. Him. Just hired him to be the GM for the Vikings. This dude mm -hmm. has an economics degree from Princeton, has an economics masters from Stanford, portfolio manager for a ton of hedge fund companies, has several Wall Street, successful Wall Street ventures, and has been player, uh, part of the football operations for the 49ers, the Browns, and one, uh, it says, and others. So it shows you that he's had a bunch of, his background just shows that he's been about the shits for a long time compared to seeing some of these other folks that all they did was know the right guy, talk to the right people. They have forged these relationships that maybe span a couple of years because I know their dad the Shanahan's of the world, all these other folks. So, but it ain't Crush. that much fucking different in the corporate world, though, right? The I way mean, people get the way people world. get jobs in the corporate world, oh, like yeah. it's the same. So many, it's the same shit. Same shit. Same shit. Yep. It's yep. who I went, who your dad goes golfing with. It's the networking, and then black folks don't typically have that same have sort of that. networking. No. That's the, why we yeah, we don't get the level, up. Yeah, at the level of management and, and hiring, the, the you know apartheid is multi, is the apartheid is generational. Mm -hmm. It's transgenerational, is what I should say. It's mm, transgenerational. Right. You know, so you can have all the DEI you want, but the Shanahan's are still going to be the Shanahan's. You got it. That's right on. Crush. What we got next, man? Well, I hate to go from uh, one uh, hard topic to another, um, but uh, this news broke, unfortunately, the same time as the. Uh, pregnancy announcement of a certain Barbasian singer, um, but this could not be ignored. Um, the latest headlines are around the uh, bomb threats for several HBCUs. Um, the FBI, as of as of uh, today, in fact, February 3rd, 10 a.m., the FBI has identified suspects accused of making threats to HBCU, HBCUs this week. Um, these bomb threats were made at at least 14 HBCUs. Uh, one of them being Howard University, my, one of my alums. Actually, uh, these, these bomb threats were made at both of my alumni universities, at Howard and Bowie State. Um, and according to the University President Wayne Frederick, uh, we've had these challenges before, but uh, 
it's also uh, he said uh, it has not been this widespread or this overt to him, however. So um, the investigation is, of course, uh, the highest priority of the FBI. Uh, but at that time, they found no explosive devices at any of the, any, any, any of the locations where they take the threats with uh, all seriousness. Um, what do you think, gentlemen? It fucking so FBI. Let's. I was going to say, and I was. Listen, bro. I was going to say that the fucking FBI. J- January sixth, right? We saw. We saw the fucking bullshit that happened. They still have not even gotten all of the rest or arrested all the people who were leaving pipe bombs on fucking steps Facts. down there. Facts. They still haven't gotten those people. I feel as though and believe wholeheartedly that the FBI did not take these threats seriously, mm. right? I, I, I cannot possibly imagine. Now, I'm not here standing to make it seem like HBU, CPCUs are such beacons of... I, but again, when it comes to black churches, black schools, black institutions... They don't give a fuck. There's not a level to it. Oh, they're not as radical, so we won't fuck with them. Anti-blackness doesn't distinguish and work in that fashion, right? Mm. I feel really heartbroken and saddened and disgusted and vexed that it wasn't a level of seriousness taken by the FBI here. But at the same time, knowing what we know historically, this shit is expected. So how do we address this? How do we protect ourselves how do we those are the questions that i really want us to dig deeper in and analyze because i don't think that we should rely or expect the fbi to come through and do anything about this i think if they wanted to do anything about this it would already have been done unless unless all of these bomb threats were made at the same fucking time so literally at 801 all 14 of these schools were notified of the bomb threats. If not, the moment the first two bomb threats were made, the FBI is alerted. At that point in time, the FBI should have automatically been on alert, right? On alert, looking for and expecting and investigating and attempting to prevent actual bombs from going off. We cannot in any possible way possibly believe or expect the FBI to come through and do what the fucking FBI has never done. Mm, mm, mm. Go ahead, D. I was going to say this. HBCUs are uniquely situated to cultivate a culture of black self-defense. Um, it, it's It's... It's going to always have its limitations because so much, I mean, you know, I'm just thinking about my many friends and colleagues who have come through HBCU, some of whom Mm -hmm. still work there and teach there and whatnot. And so there's like a, a dense, you know, kind of mandate around a certain kind of respectability politics Mm, um, that structures the HBCU pedagogy and the kind of professionalization and all that shit. That's Booker T, right? That's straight from Booker T. However, however, and take this the way I mean it, that shit can actually be weaponized in a productive way to cultivate and spread an, uh, a practice, a collective practice and a collective culture, which can then grow a black self-defense. That is the only way 
in which this stuff will be adequately addressed. Um, any resort to like hate crime response from the cops or from the FBI, any response mm -hmm. to, you know, that requires federal government intervention, folks should, well, to the folks that watch that watch this, they, they probably already know better than to believe that will do anything other than more damage. Um, but, but I will say that, that the contemporary moment calls on um, the cultivation of black practice, you know, vast, rigorous, diverse practices and black defined, autonomously defined practice of self-defense um, mm. that are partly signified. Y'all know this organization, NAGA? Yeah. Yeah. So like, so like NAGA is an interesting group, right? Because they're ideologically, politically, they're kind of all over the place, right? But the one thing that's interesting about what they do is that they actually do kind of have some knowledge of how complex and even internally contradictory the long historical sure. record is mm -hmm. of black self-defense practices. Mm -hmm. HBCUs can at least do that. They can at least, like, shit, go ahead and do it through a notion of respectability and fucking, you know, constitutional whatever, citizenship and all that. Go ahead and do all that. But, like, say, 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 valorize and tell your people at the HBCUs that, 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 that it is an obligation, a responsibility. If you want to talk about Jesus and God, do it, whatever. That it is like you know part of your spiritual obligation. You must defend. We must defend ourselves collectively. That that has to be the message. I think that has to be the message. Whatever that means, yeah. whether it means firearms training, whether it means collective, you know, um, um, kind of vigilance around around you know possibilities of white terrorism coming coming through. Like self defense has got to be entered into the fucking language at this point. Like it's it's got to be some point there. in time. Yeah. How how do you effectively radicalize these universities now, especially in this twenty first? That's century? not the project. That that shit. That, yeah, that I was going to say that's, that's, that's you, that you don't think project. that's it. I mean, even to step out, even to in my perspective, and I mean, I'm I'm open to you guys' thoughts. Mm. Even to do that, I think it's going to be a heavy lift because they're already the existence of many of these HBCUs are already tied to white monies and a white supremacist system of the government that allows to, that helps to fluff them up or keep them alive. So how do you say, okay, we're going to do these things exclusively that may come across as being militant, right? And expect to get some level of support or approval to continue to do these projects. You get what I'm saying? You, you're muted. My reaction to you was that was that the project should not be to radicalize the institutions. It, it, it can it can and must be to radicalize people. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like that's a different type of project because people mm. are situated everywhere. They inhabit all different kinds of institutions, many of which are totally reactionary. Uh, and and oftentimes that's why they become that's part of why they become radicalized. Like kind of like the way I introduced myself earlier, right? It's like Alexandra has everything to do with what I am in the world, right? It has everything to do with that. Um, uh, so no, so I think, I think, I think, I think part of this is to just explore, at least explore what, what a responsible institution, you know, and I'm putting this in scare quotes, right? I'm almost mm -hmm. being facetious about it, right? What a responsible approach to black self-defense would be for HBCUs that are under immediate threat of terrorist harm, right? Like knowing, knowing that the police and FBI will not, will at best be an inadequate response to that. Yeah. Mm. Fucking sad to see, dude. I swear. Come on, oh, what you think, bro? Come on. No, I already. Like I said before, I my perspective is that I don't think that the FBI takes this seriously in the least bit, and I don't know to what extent because we've been seeing a lot of these uh, HBCUs 
make a lot of noise and talk about the the uh, a, a not just a stronger presence, but a a deeper tie to policing, which is part of the argument that's been scaring me because we've already talked about it. Dylan's already talked about it too. The stronger pol uh, police presence on uh, on campuses. So hearing this, hearing someone take advantage, co-opt, whatever you want to call it, this situation and turn it into another avenue to then lock HBCUs down is just stomach turning. On top of the fact, yeah. like I said, that we already know that they don't give a fuck about it anyway. Because yeah. these type of situations outside of it, I think the fact that it's what's made it national news is that it was so many HBCUs many. within a short span of time. But yeah. shit like this happens all the time. If you're yeah. part of these yeah. schools, if you're an alumni from these schools, you've been getting the... Um, the uh the alumni blasts about tons of shit like this that happens on campus. Yeah. yeah. So this is nothing, and I this think is nothing new. And I think that the other side, the positive side, and this is a perfect opportunity for local community organizers to go on these college campuses and to begin to organize these young folks. Remember when what was that? That was what, Howard, where the young folks were down there the doing what they don't i mean putting yeah. in great work down yeah, there because the administration was on some fuck shit. that's right i think it's a great yeah, opportunity right. for organizers to get on these campuses and to organize these folks and provide them with you know some principled political education to get them prepared for the very things that are going to continue to happen i think this is a great opportunity just from an organizer standpoint i i think it's I mean, great opportunity. Yo, yo, yeah. and this, and this is. Let me say two things here. One, one thing is that what the students at Howard showed is that HBCUs are already are always and already under a bomb threat, whether mm. somebody called one in or not. Okay, meaning meaning that the vulnerable people, meaning mostly the students and staff, and some yep. of the faculty even, are already under threat all the fucking time because it's an all HBCU. Right. Yep. Right. Right. But and I mean, the bomb threat is like all that shit, the condition under that brought HBCUs into existence and through which they continue to exist as institutions is already a condition that is not unlike a permanent bomb threat. So there's that. The other thing that I'll say, being somebody that's worked in the university for a long fucking time, is that what Howard once again reminds is, is, is university administrations, the powers that be, including those that are tied to university administrations and support them financially, politically, and otherwise, right? Boards of Regents, donors, mm. you know, the state, mm. government, whatever. Um, the thing that they fear the most is student organizing. So, so to add to what Big L just said, right? In addition to, to, to grassroots local community organizers, by the way, many of whom will be students at those places anyways. Right. Yep. There'll be a lot of those folks who overlap both categories of being students in those HBCUs and from right. an area nearby in which they come from a family or they themselves were involved or are involved in some form of you know progressive civil rights organizing, maybe radical organizing, mm -hmm. something, right? So they're already there. But what university administrations constantly fear is student rebellion, student uprising, student protest for anything, for anything. That is what they wow. fear the most. So when I when I talk about HBCUs being in a unique position to cultivate a culture of black self-defense. I'm not thinking that it's going to come from the administration, right? To the contrary, I think this can and must come from, you know, well-organized, thoughtful, um, and, and collectively mobilized, be you know, deprovincialized too, right? Not meaning not just that particular. Yeah, yeah. 
right? Yeah. But but folks that are making networks with other black students and other places and other HBC black students and other HBCUs and other places, a collective mobilization that thinks collectively from a student position, ideally from a staff position too, about Which what it means helpful. to be to be cultivating self defense when the university is under an actual called in bomb threat. Mm. That shit that shit can and should be symbiotic with all of the other forms of demand, um, demand and politicized vulnerability. That 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 was signified by what happened at Howard not that long ago. No doubt, that is self defense. What that shit that went down at Howard that was that was an expression of self defense. Yep, that's Definitely. actually what that was. Definitely. L, what we got next, man? <laughs> we about to lose every touched, single listener we got. Yeah, we we about. Uh, so where we want to go? We want to go Whoopi. We want to go BLM. Which way we want to go? We want to set the whole thing on fire. I thought we were going to go. I thought we were going to go with Whoopi. If oh, let's go, Whoopi. Let's go, Whoopi. Whoopi Goldberg got suspended from ABC because she made some comments on the View about Jews, and I'm going to give you the actual comments completely in context. That way. I just don't feel like I'm going off the dome. So Whoopi Goldberg, the comedian actress, who is also a co-host of the ABC talk show, The View, will be suspended for two weeks, the network announced Tuesday night, after she said repeatedly during an episode of the show that aired on Monday that the Holocaust was not about race. Comments that come at a time of rising anti-Semitism globally. She later apologized. Here's what she said. In the episode, Ms. Goldberg said that the Holocaust was about man's inhumanity to man and not about race. When one of her cohorts changed that assertion, saying that the Holocaust was driven by white supremacy, Ms. Goldberg said, but these are two white groups of people. She added, this is white people doing it to white people. So y'all going to fight amongst yourselves as she continued to speak. Music came on. In other words, <laughs> the producer said, Oh, 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 wrap up. <laughs> Let's go to a fucking commercial. <laughs> Here we are. <sighs> Whoopi in this situation. I'm very interested to hear you guys' thoughts on this. I, oh, I'm first. not gonna lie, man. I'm not gonna lie. I really thought that uh I am I was in the camp of Whoopi Goldberg. Um because what do you mean you were in the honestly, camp of Whoopi Goldberg? I was in the camp of Whoopi Goldberg because I did look at the Holocaust and I look at race as from this more black-white dynamic from this 20th century Americanized lens when you talk about race sure. specifically, right? It did take me doing a little bit of digging to see that the agenda that the Nazi, uh, that the Nazis did propagate was that Jewish people are a race of people, which I've always found an interesting stance. However, you want to, however you want to take that, but I, it is accurate that they were perceived as a race of people that were less than the Aryan race, which the Nazis uh, propagated. I can't blame Whoopi for thinking that way. She's a sixty-plus-year-old woman that grew up in the United States, and her definition and understanding of what race is is built based on her life experiences. What I don't agree with was the swiftness of how they suspended her. 
even after she apologized multiple times, even after she had on the head, I forget what the gentleman's name is, the head of the ADL, come on and explain and break things down. Even after many Jewish organizations said, okay, she's apologized, we get it now, we had, we had a learning moment and she didn't mean it maliciously and ABC still went ahead and suspended her. I don't think that that was fair. I don't think that that was the correct move especially in a situation where it was very clearly a learning case. But hey, that's just me. Can we just call the reaction to her a Zionist reaction? Is that okay? I'm not Absolutely. Really I'm, not, I'm really not asking you. Please. I'm not saying that. I was going to say. It's a, Zionist, it's a Zionist reaction against her. It's a mis she, made, she made like a, a kind of conceptual error, yes, uh, mm -hmm. because, you know, during the moment of the Nazi campaign, they clearly undertook an ideological and pseudoscientific program that racialized Jews once they were identified as, yeah. as being a separate race, right? They were still European, white. So eugenics does some weird shit, doesn't it? Right? <laughs> eugenics does That's some weird what, shit, see, right, that, right? See, this is, this, it's staring me right in the face. So Jewish people, Nazis told you you were a race and you took that shit in. Why? Yeah. So, 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 it's ta it's taken in it's taken in within a logic of Zionism. That's my that's my within, point. Exactly. To challenge, that's the point. To challenge exactly. Zionism. So let's say this out loud because it's on the air and all that. To challenge it Zionism, to, to confront mm -hmm. and push back in Zionism, which is a political ideology. It's a political ideology that is colonial, right? It is it is it is it is completely conducive with the apartheid policies of this current state of Israel. Right. Yes. So the, this, the position of Zionism is not a religious position. It is not inherent to Jewish people. OK, so let's make that really clear. That is my conception. That's my understanding of what Zionism is. And I'm not some fool out there reading off Wikipedia. Like, I know what Zionism is. So don't try to fuck with me and say challenging Zionism is somehow so-called anti-Semitic. In fact, a close friend recently said to challenge to be anti-Zionist is actually to be pro-Semite. Mm -hmm. Right. If we're going to really mm -hmm. think about who the Semites are is to be pro-Semitic. Right. Mm, so so to, so this is coming from a certain kind of Zionist positionality that wants yep. to make a permanent claim to the uniqueness of the anti-Jewish genocidal Holocaust conducted by the Nazi campaign, the Nazi party in Germany. Um, and, and it therefore cannot be disentangled from uh, a broader climate in which criticisms of the state of Israel. Right. I'm mm, talking about say it, as an apartheid say state, and solidarity with the Palestinian people cannot be spoken in the United States, much less in the United States corporate media. I'm not saying Whoopi was doing that, right? Her shit was kind of ignorant, mm -hmm. right? But, I dig it. But, yeah. but, but, it was, but it was hitting that nerve, hitting that nerve in which the fact of the, of the, of the anti-Jewish arm of the Nazi-induced Holocaust, which also, by the way, came after disabled people, LGBTQ yes. not gender conform yes. gender non conform people, come after African people. It's yes. so like let's make that really clear. It wasn't just six million, you know, Europeans of Jewish of, of, of Jewish, you know, ethnicity and Jewish, you know, religious uh, um, background that were exterminated mm -hmm. by, this, by this industrialized genocide. It was all these other categories of people who were there as well, right? So let's be that, but but let's be clear that it's an intra-European racialization that was happening. Right. So it was all about race. She was wrong on that. It was all about race. But let's be yeah. really clear what kind of racialization it was. Right. And, and whether and how um, and whether and how it broke down at the level of let's call it fucking phenotype. Right. And, and here exactly. I, I found something while, while, while Big L was talking, I found a passage from that book I just that I that I've shared with you all in the past that, um, that I published last year 
where I where I actually quote Franz Fanon on this, where he where he writes mm -hmm. about where he writes about the uh, the, the Nazi-induced Holocaust. He says this. He says simple enough. He's writing about himself, his own positionality as a black person in the world. He says simple enough. One has only not to be an N-word. Granted, he says the Jews are harassed. They are hunted down. They are exterminated. They are cremated. But these are little family quarrels. These are little family quarrels. The Jew is disliked from the moment he is tracked down. But in my case, everything takes on a new guise. I am given no chance. I am overdetermined from without. I am the slave not of the idea that others have of me, but of my own appearance. Mm. So Whoopi, as a black person in the world, I think was trying to speak to something like this. She fucked it up. Okay, she was ignorant. I'm not trying to excuse or apologize for that. But what I think she was getting at was something like this, right? That there's a kind of non-comparability in, in, in the suffering and the victimization and the targeting that happened here. And um, and, and, and folks, and, and I think folks want to disavow that, right? They, and, you know, that's, that's and, and again, it's tied to Zionism. Tied, the, 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 this notion of the rising tide of anti-Semitism, it's, it's, kind of, it's kind of deceiving because that generally relies on, um, in, in a, what do you call it, an equating of anti-Zionism mm -hmm. to anti-Semitism. Right? And I speak, I speak to that as somebody who's been like intensely. Yes, come on now, say it. Right, like yes. I have people calling, calling me, saying that they need to line my family up and shoot us down by firing squad and all that kind of shit. Right, I'm getting this from Zionists all over the planet. Um, yeah, yeah, uh, eleven yeah. months ago, I was getting a wave of this shit. And I'm, yeah. that's you're not serious. You're not serious. Man. I'm dead serious. Well, no, he's very serious. Dead serious. Yeah, yeah. No, no, I was getting all kinds of shit. Yeah. And this, this, this was all about my support for Arab American studies. Bro. Yeah. Like, and like we I, saw wasn't, something I wasn't even, I wasn't even talking about the Mark Lamont Hill too when he went to the UN. This yeah, is, when he, this but is like, he was talking, like, he was talking about pro Palestine on CNN, and you can't do that. Boom, I mean, boom. Go on. I sent a tweet out saying that Zionism has toxified the California K through twelve curriculum, which it has. I will, I, I will, I will back. I will say that again, right? As a political ideology that wants to crowd out the existence of Palestine and Palestinians. Zionism toxifies the K-12 curriculum. I was standing up for Arab American studies. I shouldn't be ableist. I was backing Arab American studies. I was supporting Arab American studies. And that's what brought on the, the force of like Zionist, right-wing propaganda, media, whatever. So I'm saying like, I got a little taste of it. I got colleagues and friends that feel this shit like pretty much every day. You know what I mean? But but I'm saying like, this is, this is part of what happened to Whoopi Goldberg, right? Part of the reason why they came for her so hard um, is because there's there's a permanent claim that needs to be made about the particularity, peculiarity, the uniqueness of the Nazi induced Holocaust as it affected um, as it affected Jews, right? European Jews in particular. It's fascinating, isn't it? Yeah. I'm, I'm and again, I, everyone agrees that what Whoopi said was ignorant and inaccurate. I don't think anyone is looking to debate that. I think and believe strongly that the focus should not be so much on what will be said in her ignorance, because I believe that she will get educated. But I think the larger component has to be the swift response to her and what she said. And you compare that to other fuck shit that Whoopi has done in her career. Like, this is not <laughs> the, res yeah, the response was never as quick. Listen, remember her standing next to Ted Danson when Ted Danson yep. came out doing the roast in the blackface. Yep. Uh, so we see the response to that. And again, 
we're not holding Whoopi up as a beacon of oh, blackness boy. or, you know, it, because, she, but she's a flawed human like all of us. We should focus again. I think, again, this is another one of those opportunities where you can actually educate other people on Zionism because most people do not have a understand it. Yeah, a basic Zionism understanding is. of it. They just really will say something like, oh, well, that's how the Jews operate. And I think there really is an opportunity for us to educate folks yeah. on the yeah. deeper level. Because then again, referencing Palestine and Israel, when Israel was continued to do all of its fuck shit then, like it continues to do. When you had people become to speak out and just say anything like, I support Palestine, that might have been all they said. The yeah. backlash that they received yeah. from yeah. people. Uh, it was just, it was just it's fascinating, vexing. But I think again, these are the moments where we have to be able to have these discussions to educate and help people to build community because this is not going to stop with whoopee. This is this is this it's is bigger much than broader that. than that. Just to emphasize too, there's something I, I haven't fully gotten my head around other than other than Zionist anti-blackness. But in addition to there's something really specific about the way the Zionist reaction comes for black people. Um, mm. who either do something like mm. what Whoopi did or, or who do what Mark did, which is to actually say the state of Israel is an apartheid state and I declare my solidarity with Palestinian people and the Palestinian cause, right? There's sure. something very specific about how that position will come after black people for so-called anti-Semitism, which is really anti-Zionism, which is really Palestinian yeah. solidarity in most cases. Because it um, comes across as a trauma Olympics and it, it, when you start it's, talking it's, about it's that, you know? but there's also There's also this, this has to be often, deeper often, than that, often what, right? I, what I hear in it is because these are usually coming from really powerful Zion, you know, Jewish organizations that are also Zionist organizations, right? So it's not Jewish anti-Zionist organizations. It's like it's not like Jewish yeah. Voices yeah. for Peace, which is an anti-Zionist organization, which I you know love and respect. Um, it, it's it's folks who are from highly empowered kind of positions and organizations. It, there's a kind of paternalism to it um, mm. in, in the way that they come from Black people. Like y'all should know better because we stood up for you during the Civil Rights Movement. We we had yeah. our people, our people died in buses that yeah. were exploded and bombed. Ooh. Like there's a lot of that shit in there, and, yeah. and I think it just needs yeah. to be named, right? Yeah. But like like a kind a kind of a kind of industrialized a you know ADL anti blackness, for example. Mm. Let's just call it out, right? I think I think I think again, nobody's doubting that Whoopi said something that was wrong, but the yeah. the intensity and the vigor with which they came for Whoopi is is in my view, it's like it's inseparable. It's inseparable from the peculiar anti blackness. That 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 kind of wing of folks um, expresses toward people like Mark. It's fascinating because I th we've had conversations about Palestine and the treatment of uh, Palestinians by Israelis on this show, and I know that I've had people. I won't necessarily say friends, but I'll say people that I'm acquaintances of or people that follow me on social media that immediately messaged me and was like we ha don't have an understanding of what it is to be an Israeli and the threats that they, uh, the threats that they receive yeah. and pretty much just cut me off from the face of the earth, which is, I mean, which is fine, but I didn't think that the backlash, especially the way we attack, the way we approach these topics, I didn't think that we had said anything that was debatable, that there should be a common sense approach to how Palestinians are allowed to survive and exist in in the Middle East there, but 
I mean, it is what it is at this point. Like you said, it's designed, it's moving. So, and I thank God for this platform, man. I thank God for the opportunity that Dylan came on and that we've had this discussion because, again, I don't think that this is a topic that many people are familiar enough with to be able to recognize what actually happened with Whoopi. They understand that something nefarious took place, but to actually be able to understand, oh, okay, this is that thing, and to be able to recognize it in the future to prepare themselves and defend against it, I think this is the beautiful thing about having this platform and this conversation. So I'm thankful for that tonight. Mm-hmm. One one quick thing, though. Do you think that they've given Whoopi or The View too much power? Because, listen, listen to, this, is, this is why I say that. Apparently in 2014, The View used to be part of ABC's entertainment arm, right? Mm-hmm. So it wouldn't have been seen as anything more than just pop culture, if she were to say it. Probably would have took the, the news cycle maybe a couple of days and it would have been under the rug. But they moved it over to ABC's news arm. Uh, with the election with the elections and things along those lines yeah and now it took it's taken such a they felt immediately that the news arm felt that they needed to come out and say something Hmm. oddly enough the view has also been given so much weight the fucking new york times said that the view was the most important political show in america hear me again the to who? New York Times. To who? Who's who? To who? I don't know. To who is? Know to who? I'm not speculating. White women. I'm not speculating. I'm just telling White you women. what the New York Times. Oh, said. Oh, White women. I'm telling you I what the New York for Times. Christmas, said. I'm buying you a big set of tweezers. I promise you. <laughs> they've been coming for you. I'm getting them engraved with big O on the side. Those splitters got to be infected by now. <laughs> I think they just, they've given her and her voice way too much power that she really needs. Political power? Because if, I think that, I mean, come on. Wow. Like, I think there might be a distinction you, between power and influence. I don't think this is the same. I don't think they have any actual power, right? Influence, mm, I, I don't know. I don't watch the shit. I, I don't pay attention. This is probably the much I've talked about Whoopi since jumping Jack fucking Flash. So I don't know. I don't listen. But you, hold up. <laughs> Influence and power. There's new. There's nuance. Sometimes those things overlap. My guy, you know what I'm saying. So they think that she's coming. If you're getting your information, your political information from fucking Whoopi Goldberg and other white women on there, I I got more concerns than I really realized I had. Viewers, viewers I've I've had people say the same thing about us. So (laughs) I've had people say they're all home and they're all been home for two years now. Watching them for two years. You know, the, the mistake we make is is believing that there is some kind of distinction between news, entertainment, and politics at this point. Mm. Mm. Propaganda. There it is. Oh, there it is. I mean, if ever, if there ever was. I mean, you, I mean, you still have independent well, investigative journalists out there who are doing their thing. Yeah, right? maybe you still back have, in, the, yeah. in the 60s you know? and 70s, you still had some... Oh, yeah. You know, oh, yeah. But, no, so I'm not saying that, but I'm talking about at this corporate level, at the corporate yeah. media, mass culture. Oh, you yeah, know, yeah. This, this line Because it's news, all about access and influence at that point. Yep, yeah, I'm sorry about that at the end. It's about access, and, access and speed. Yeah, yeah. The new cycle is like, you know, and sound bites and sound bites and and like yep. deep, deep, deep anti. I want to call it anti-intellectualism, but I mean intellectualism in the broadest interpretation of that word. Yeah. You yeah. know, like like.
like the deepest and broadest interpretation anti intellectualism is central to that blurring of lines between information, no, entertainment, and news. Like it's no, it's right. all become the same regime. Discernment goes out the window. Okay. Mm. All right. Right about now is the time when we'd like to give you little tidbits of news or words of wisdom that you can take with yourself into the week. We're gonna let our guest go. For, he's not a guest anymore, but still, I'm gonna let our guest go first. D, what's up? So um, I, I just wanted to remind everybody out there that, you know, we need to pay close attention to the political work, collective forms, political work that are happening all around us and pay even closer attention to how organizations are being tied into reformist um, campaigns, particularly around criminal justice and policing. Mm -hmm that will do nothing to actually address the domestic war, the forms of asymmetrical domestic war that are in our midst. Um, I want to encourage people to pay closer attention to the various forms of mutual aid, of self-defense, of autonomous community building that are also probably happening in some level near them and join those. Um, I want to say that I was part of an event last Friday um, with the Critical Resistance Abolitionist Educators. You know, it was a oh. it was a pretty humble event. It was a modest event, but what resulted from it was about a hundred people that were there decided to form a massive reading group, a not reading group, collective study group from all over the country. Um, so this shit is kicking off. So that's what I want to ask people to think about doing wherever you are is to try to find ways to either um, refresh and re-engage the forms of community that you're already in or to build those forms of community people around you. There's so many ways to do it. Um, I got ideas all day. If you want to reach out to me, Dylan Rodriguez 73 at gmail.com. Hit me up um, okay. and I can put you in touch. No doubt. Crush, what's up, man? Well, I was going to shout out a, you know, a certain group uh, for getting a deal with a certain large conglomerate, but I'd rather uh, make things a lot simpler and give a shout out to my wife, who I believe is on the verge of a massive breakthrough in uh, doing something for the young black women of the world. Um, she surrounded herself with some uh, some truly motivational, inspirational, and uh, incredible women. And um, you know, there are some young girls out there who um, who are getting some of the best advice and best counsel that they'll ever get in their lives from a, from an awesome group of women who are, who I think are ready to help, uh, help save the future. So I want to shout out to my wife and her very special circle of friends. No doubt. Oh, what's up? Man, I just say, I don't know, just be safe. I don't really have anything deep tonight, man. Uh, just be safe and yeah, just be safe. Fuck. It's a crazy, wild-ass world out there, man, with all types of shit that's taking place. Oh, yeah, by the way, COVID-19 hasn't left. Uh, still wear your mask. Wash your fucking hands. You know, typical shit. Mm, no uh, what's up for me this week is... Your medium as we take change? Oh, okay. Sorry. My apologies. So I was just, you know, I forgot that you were an amateur <laughs> bodybuilder. So I had to. Oh, no. Listen, and you know what? Man, you know what's oh messed up? You know what's messed up? Before I, give, before I give the what's up, let me back out real quick. Before I give my what's up, I want to personally thank both of you for exacerbating the situation. Oh my God. I got inboxes no, I'm of. Sorry. I'm sorry, man. Female sorry. bodybuilders, sorry, man. people that were saying they were oh, hip to the game. Oh I think the worst part was a bunch of images of people just like, yeah, that they're not 
they're not unfamiliar with the bodybuilding world. But then on top of that, just sending me pictures of steroided women as though that's supposed to do something for you. So, so Dylan, the backstory is don't give him a backstory. I gotta give him a backstory. I missed that episode. Oh, oh last God. episode. Oh, let it be known that in his younger years that he was an amateur bodybuilder. So he was trying to tell the story that had absolutely nothing to do with bodybuilding, and he tried to skirt over it. So at that point in time, the whole show just literally went off the rails. I was trying to out there. Listen, I, there are pictures, man. That we have a bounty on them now. We have Listen, a bounty I'm, on them now. I'm going to reach will, out to his son and pay his son money. Explain it to you, okay? <laughs> Quickly, I, on a I was telling the guys that when your kids see pictures of you from when you were younger, it's like they're surprised that you were youthful and young at the time. Mr. Cleanup, my man. Son happened to, my son happened to see a picture of me pre-competition, and he's like. What the fuck amateur you? competition, so, by the way. Amateur competition. Do you, just as a I point respect of note, the discipline. You, oh, don't listen to them. I know he's full <laughs> of shit. Don't pay him the any chicken money. breast, the boiled know. chicken breast. Listen, you know, listen. I know the diuretics. When you when you've got a when you with just plain boiled chicken, white rice, and broccoli for a fucking three months to <laughs> wait. That shit is, shit is not a As an amateur body builder. Listen, it's because I didn't still have does that. To, to be pro. That's all right. He still does that. He, he still does that now. What are you talking Elgin, about? It, it's it, a it, mirror it, right there. Listen, Elgin, it only takes me... Uh, I, I, I'll spend the $100 to get on the Excel. It's going to be an hour. I'll meet, I'll, meet, I'll meet you in Philadelphia, you motherfucker. Anyway, so what's up for me this week is the Biden administration's Fickle attempt to try and explain why they're not doing tuition uh, forgiveness or loan forgiveness at this point. Apparently, they are attacking a young man in the court of law who is trying to get his loan forgiven. This young man suffers from epileptic seizures severely that he has not been able to work. And if you guys know anything about your history, you know that Biden is also the same senator that said you cannot file for bankruptcy and get your student loans forgiven as well. He did that back in the early the late 80s, early 90s. The law states now that you have to have some irreparable damage or something to yourself that you that there's no way physically possible that you could earn money that way that you can get your loan forgiven. This young man has epileptic seizures, very, very severely, went to school, somehow graduated, has debt of over $100,000. He, in turn, was trying to work, drives Uber, for Uber Eats, all of these different things, had a car accident that threw him in the hospital for over six months. He now then said, I'm, I'm trying to get this loan forgiven. I can't work. The seizures are there. My physical health is there. I need to get it forgiven because I'm living with my parents at this point. There's nothing I can do. I have no future. The judge, when he took it to court, said, yeah, we agree. There's no way you're going to be able to pay this back. The federal government, the Biden administration's mm -hmm. Department of Education was like, nah, nigga, we're not forgiving you. Mm. you, you you're going to pay that money back. Mm. And they're appealing that decision. They say it all the time, life is like a sandwich. No matter how you flip it, the bread comes first. They're chasing the money. And that's why they're trying to get this dude to end up paying. Oh. And the primary thing, I think, ultimately, is because if they attack this dude, they're successful in their appeal, it sets a precedent. 
Because if he wins, it sets a precedent. It's going to open the floodgates for other people. And they're not trying to have everybody it. with a medical condition that can prevent them from attaining a salary right. to ever pay that shit off. Because right. let's believe they're going to do the math. That's right. The, doctor, the doctors will provide the proof. Oh, that that's some it, demonic shit. That's no, this is demonic, actuarial. That's some demonic shit to tell. Yeah. Like, this is actuarial man, stuff. Procedures to pay off one hundred thousand mm. dollars. You so y'all y'all you need to tell people to join the debt collective debtcollective.org it is a national yep. movement of people who are especially dealing with student loan debt like this like this young person here mm -hmm. um to politicize the debt and to refuse to pay it it has to be a collective measure the court system is i mean the the, the, this court process is what is just it's, it's overly individualized like you just said yeah, right they're coming for yep. this dude because of the precedent thing but also fuck joe biden fuck the biden administration fuck the democratic party fuck all of them we need to like People, don't 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 put hope in them. Don't put hope in them. Don't put energy in them. Don't put energy in, in, in the, you know, much less, much less, you know, AOC and Kamala Harris and mm. Bernie Sanders. That's no, 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 no. Put your energy in debt collective at least. At least put your energy in debt collective. Debt collective, or somebody else. There I'm were so uh, 85 I say any of that. Yeah, because yeah, usually you are the bad guy in this situation. But yeah, there were 85 Democratic uh, politicians that signed a petition to basically start the process to say, Biden, forgive these people at least the $50,000 $50, that you said you were going to forgive during the campaign. They shut that shit down immediately. They were like, you can take your 85 asses and go walk to the back of the room for all we care. That's a best case scenario. <sighs> All right, L, excuse me, Dylan Rodriguez, we want to thank you for being on the show. You the homie. You're a I guest, love you guys. not no, a no, guest. I, I love being here. You, you have to invite me more than once every 10 months. Every Black History Month. We'll, we'll bring you back for the holidays, oh, That's right. Yeah, hey, we're on the third day of Black History Month. <laughs> hey, I'm honored. Dylan, like tell the, these folks where they can find you if they want to find you, man. All right. So, like I said, folks that want to get connected where you're at with some form of collective work, if you're not already there, or if you are in a collective and, and, and I can offer some kind of skill set or conversation with you that could be helpful hit me up on my email dylan rodriguez 73 at gmail.com you can hit me on twitter at dylan rodriguez you can hit me on instagram um at dylan rodriguez 73 and i'm easy to find on facebook too um so so hit me up um i do my best to respond to people and be be be, be persistent if i'm being a flake and call me out too <laughs> tell me I'm being a flake because I said that shit on on the In the Black podcast. Tell him, tell, tell me, tell me, hey, you're not you're not living up what you said on on February three, twenty twenty two. So I'll, I'll hit you up. I promise. I will get back to you and I will do something. No doubt. We appreciate you, man. Thank you. I love you guys. No, uh -oh. I really appreciate this. L, where can people find you, man? At L Jim Bailey on Twitter. Oh, so you, you said forgo all the other social media platforms? Nobody's coming, bro. I mean. <laughs> it's that, at that's on everything. Like, that, that's 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 true because people yeah, harass me about you all the time and never fucking yeah. harass you. I don't. I just don't fucking understand it. And Crush. Really nice where can people find you? What'd you say? I'm a really nice guy. <laughs> Man, you can find me on Instagram as usual at SP Methods. Uh, when you go there, go right to my profile and check the link tree. There's a lot of goodness up in there. New my documentary with my folks and there's some new releases and some other interesting things going on uh, so come check me out 
no doubt. And I'm big O, Mr. In the Black himself. You can find me on Twitter and on Instagram at MR underscore in the black. And I want to thank you guys once again for joining us for another incredible episode of the In the Black podcast. You could have been anywhere else in the world, but you chose to kick it with us and we appreciate it. Make sure you follow us across social media at In the Black PDCST on Facebook, Twitter, and on Instagram. Come on over to our Patreon. You will not regret it. But until mm-hmm. next time, as always, informed, intelligent, in the black. In the black. In the black. Peace. Peace. All right, gentlemen. This is, this is the In the Black Podcast. In the Black, bro. Hands down, one of the best podcasts I ever heard, though. I like y'all. Bretchen, what up? I read a black up, Bretchen. Listen. In the black podcast, like your lad, it's all facts. You don't like that, the fault fact. In the black podcast, don't talk trash. Switch fast if you ain't raw, then you're whack. It forms intelligent elements, always relevant. Not for the weak and delicate. This is eloquent excellence. We are setting the precedence. Rest in them, my excrement. In the black podcast, the truth like the testament. Don't know, black up he bro, man a specialist. Know what the podcast broadcast, y'all mess with this. Like said they my cheat, who no dweed so effortless. I listen them, I learn, man, them listen them, I benefit. Reporting current event, everything that is prevalent. This is so exquisite, a scientific experiment. Giving you the news, not views without evidence. Telling you the truth, sentiments without embellishments. Relax, these are the facts, bringing them to your residence. In your house or your tenement, listen to hear intelligence. Body filled with Melody power that's so ascending bright in the stars bringing some light back to the desolate in the black podcast that your land is all facts you don't like that the fall back in the black podcast they fucked up who looks like watch black up here chat me young flop in the black podcast that your land is all facts you don't like that the fall back in the black podcast we all lost the one of them can none of them can control like that though. <laughs> 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 <laughs>